Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Kicked Back presented by Uber One. Uber One is a membership that lets you save across Uber Eats, Uber Rides, and everything in between. Enjoy unlimited $0 delivery fees, 5% off of Eats, 5% off of Rides, and if you join Uber One today, you can get your first month free. Visit uber.com slash uberone for details. What's up, everyone? You're listening. You're watching Two Kicked Back, presented by our good friends Uber One, and I'm so sad because the snow has hit the ground here in Edmonton, Alberta, Liam, and I am not a winter person. No. Do you know what? Being from England... (laughs) <laughs> this isn't something I grew up used to, so it's uh, it's always a different shock. Like, you get used to it a little bit, but just looking outside, it actually is kind of nice to wake up to yeah. sometimes when it's like, oh, this feels cozy, and then you like start driving, and you're like, wow, this is absolutely horrendous. So it's, it's exactly it. Like, you wake up, you turn the fireplace on, you have your cup of coffee, mm-hmm. whatever you do, whatever your morning routine is, but then you realize you have to wear jackets and actually shovel the snow and... It takes 20 minutes longer to get everywhere you want to go because say. no one knows how to drive when it snows. And yeah, just not my season. Yeah, I was thinking it's like, yeah, like I, this kind of sums up my morning. Like I woke up, like I had my coffee and I was like looking out the window. I was like, oh, this is like kind of a nice little scene. Yeah. And then I like looked down and saw my car and I was like, I have to leave an hour earlier than I'm <laughs> supposed to. And I have to brush that off. So yeah, a little hectic starts in the morning for us in Edmonton, but we're here, yeah. and we made it, and that's what matters. Well, we made it, but not a lot of football teams did in the Champions League, and we were just saying offline that this has been one of the most drama-filled Champions Leagues. I guess I feel like we've had the pleasure to watch because it makes our job fun, but also yeah. even as football fans, we're just like, for example, Group D, anything could have happened. That was it, wild. It was wild. It was crazy going into what well, Literally every single team could have qualified for – Anywhere in the group, the only thing that was in spot was Tottenham couldn't finish last. Yeah. So they were the only team guaranteed European football continuing on because they had the seven points and everyone else was on six. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. six. And it, that was the only thing. And then it literally, like, till the last kick. W- right. Insane. It was in- insane. We'll, we'll get to Tottenham here in a minute, but because they just had a wild ride from their last game to, yeah. to, to two games ago. Just crazy, but just so many storylines uh, where you sit here and you're like, okay, some teams are making history and other teams are making history for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, <coughs> Rangers. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Rangers fan, I, we apologize in advance. We'll get to you guys here in the middle of our show, but just crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, and this is what the Champions League is all about. It's about the excitement of... Having teams like Maccabi Haifa win and like, um, you know, even like Frankfurt, we're going to talk about right away, qualifying for the the knockout stages for the first time. Like what an unbelievable run for this for this team winning the Europa League last season and then moving on to now the last 16 of the Champions League. Like it is crazy. And it's it's great. It is fantastic to see. Let's start with them because this made me so happy. And I, I don't know if you remember, but when we did our Champions League preview show, I was like, this is a team that mm-hmm. I really, really loved because last season, um, I just, I don't know. I think since last season, I've had so much respect for them because they did snap Barcelona's 15 game unbeaten streak. Barcelona fans don't come for me, but they ended up eliminating Barcelona from the Europa League. But the best part of that whole moment was 30,000 Frankfurt fans went into Barcelona to to 
support their team to the point where Xavi went to the media and he was like, it felt like more of an away game for Barcelona than a home game. So I just love the chaos of it all. And I think at that moment for me, I'm like this fan base and this team is different. We know that the team plays extremely aggressive and plays with a lot of heart and passion and the fan base replicates that um, on the same front. And and I've just had so much respect for them when they did that with Barcelona and then they go on to win the Europa League and now they're making club history in Champions League football right now. You, you, you just kind of, I don't know if I just want to give them all a hug. I'm so happy for them. Yeah, the uh, just on the fans that, German fan base is unreal. Like they have some of the best fans in the world. Mm-hmm. My, when my uh, when I was younger, like like basically a newborn, my parents lived in Bielefeld in Germany, and my dad would go to Armenia Bielefeld games, and he would say it was like it was unreal. Every time you would go, it was like so much fun to go to those games, and like that was kind of like German football has that image of like every every club is such an amazing support, and it's just good to see like Frankfurt gets. You know, during this like great time for them, yep. and like, and now, yeah, like I, they're gonna they're gonna get a big team in the second round too, like in the last sixteen because they did finish second in the group, so they've got a group winner. So, like, you imagine if they play like Real Madrid again? Like, I know we've already seen it so far this season in the Super Cup, but they played really well they in that did game. That first half, yeah. <laughs> we always talk about this with Real Madrid, yeah. right? The more time you do. give them, the scarier yeah. it is. Yeah, but. They played really well that first half, and I wonder if they had an opportunity to play them again, if they have, it's in the same season, that almost experience to Mm -hmm. change something a little differently tactically or whatever they need to adjust to. But it would be a game that, of course, Real Madrid's my favorite to win, but I think a game that maybe would look different in terms of, you know, what Real Madrid did in the second half of that Super Cup final. Well, no Casemiro, who I believe, didn't he get man of the match that game? Oh, he was, he was really well, (laughs) he played really, really well. And like, he's gone and, you know, maybe it's a game changer, but Frankfurt, a bit of a slow start to the season, but really picked it up as of late, if I believe. Yeah, they're now fifth in the Bundesliga and now only six points off the top in the Bundesliga, like. Bundesliga and Farmers League, by the way, for anyone oh listening. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Honestly, I made a TikTok, and I got absolutely annihilated by football fans. And I said, we have German teams qualifying into the round of 16. We have Club Rouge. We have Portuguese team, Napoli. Uh, you know, teams that people slept on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reality is, is that we only have one La Liga team left, which is Real Madrid. And this was no disrespect to any league, but the whole point of that comment is that you can't equate Bayern Munich's success or Dortmund's success or a player's success like Jude Bellingham to the league that he plays in because they are also performing in contention for the best club in the world, right? Like Jude Bellingham is scoring goals in Champions League. Bayern Munich is setting record Champions League records. They became the first side to win every single game in three consecutive Champions League group stages. So that's, that's insane. They have a perfect record three out of four seasons and I'm just tired of this whole narrative when La Liga teams have quote-unquote been dominating when it's only coming down to really one team and I say that respectfully but Real Madrid owned the Champions League no one's arguing that but enough with the Farmers League conversation <laughs> because we have other teams who are saying put respect on our names and put respect on our leagues do you remember a few years ago when PSG went to the Champions League final they also obviously were in the semifinal. I saw with Leon, Olympic Leon, and I remember that year. Mbappe did it definitely, and there was one play on Leon. I can't remember who it was, but they made tweets just like laughing emojis. Like I thought we were a farmers league and all this stuff, and they were like two of the final four teams in the Champions yep. League. The other one was obviously um, who they even play. Oh, they lost to Bayern Munich, right? In, in the, the final, final. yeah. Yep. So Bayern Munich was one. I can't remember the other one, and uh, but it was quite funny just to kind of see that. That is like yeah, we're the we're the farmers or whatever. But honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now. So out of the top five teams uh, leagues are in the world, I think the Premier League's clear one. Yeah, I agree. I would say Syria, probably two. Uh, yeah, Syria two, Syria two, Bundesliga, La Liga, Liga. Oh, I love that's that how I would, that. that's how I would rank them. The only reason I was kind of split on the Bundesliga and uh, Syria is just because of Champions League, where like AC Milan probably haven't done as well as they should have done in the Champions League. They're obviously doing still very well, but I don't think we've seen that dominance yeah. almost we saw in Syria last year with them. Inter have done well. Juventus were poor. But then you look at <laughs> Napoli, who are really dragging it up. And I think the league as a whole is very competitive, where in Bundesliga, it's just, it's, it's 
becoming more Serie like in the sense of more teams are being competitive yep. with Bayern. Like I said, like uh, Frankfurt are now, let me pull it up here quickly. Frankfurt are now six points off the top, five point behind Bayern Munich. Union Berlin lead the league. They're first in the league. Freiburg, Dortmund, Leipzig have picked it up. Hoffenheim, there's like, I love the history in Bundesliga. Yeah. I think it's unbelievable. And yeah, it's just great to see it kind of come back around and be more competitive. I agree. And I, I love that, you know, we're putting finally some respect on leagues like Serie A because they're proving that they're on the yeah. on the up. And for a while they were on the decline, right? Like we can all admit that. But to me right now, Barcelona, Lewandowski doing really well in La Liga. And then they're in the Europa League when they're actually facing other European competition. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go as far to say that La Liga's having an extreme decline. However, if next season, a couple of seasons after that, we're still seeing the situation where Real Madrid's the only team in the Champions League, people need to start having the conversation. And the way they look look at the Bundesliga, the way they look at Serie A, the way that they look, you know, um, at other leagues, they have to start looking at it that way for La Liga. There is, there is, uh, I have two quick points and then we can talk about everything else that happened. But I love this though. Um, Barcelona, 31 points in second place. For in La Liga. In La Liga. Yep. 32 is Real Madrid, first in the league. Third place, Atletico Madrid with 23. Mm-hmm. That's such a massive gap for 12 points in. 12 games in, sorry. And also, um, my other point was, you just look at the other leagues and look how competitive it is compared to that. Like, all these other teams, like Napoli's in first with 32, Atalanta 27, Milan 26, Rome 25, Lazio 24, mm-hmm. Inter 24. It's just like, let's just not all jump on this thing. It's like La Liga is great because of these two teams. It's like, it's not, the, it's not a fantastic league overall. And I think that's actually what's damaged Barcelona so much yeah. coming into this. Like we mentioned it throughout. They were in a very tough group. Like Real Madrid have kind of walked their group. And to be fair, it wasn't that, like they did lose to Leipzig, mm-hmm. I suppose, last week. But, Really, it's not. It wasn't that great of a group. Leipzig, Shakhtar, and Celtic. You should probably win all those games. Leipzig should be the team that's giving you a match. A German team, by the way, giving them a game. So yeah, I don't know. Lots of lots of uh, lots of work to do in La Liga. And the other point was, I can't remember at what point this was in the year, and this might have changed. But outside of Real Madrid and Barcelona, every single team besides, I believe it was. Bournemouth at the time who might have even passed it said like spent more money than every single team in La Liga and like combined they had the, everyone in La Liga had only spent like 10 million within the transfer market crazy it, it 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 is crazy and I just love the point that you brought up with Real Madrid and, and Barcelona being a point within each other and then such a drop mm-hmm. with Atletico yeah that's everyone's everyone's rationale when they talk about a farmer's league that it's always one team winning it by a landslide well you have three teams who well two teams that are close one of which who's in the Europa League and then the other one which is pretty far behind which is Atletico who's not playing any European football right now so what's the excuse if you want to label out a farmer's league um, for the German leagues and, and the Italian leagues then how are you possibly not taking that conversation and putting it into the Spanish league at this moment in time? Forget the past. We yeah. are in the present. At this moment in time, just look at what the stats are saying. I mean, one Spanish side left in, in Champions League. It's Real Madrid. And Atletico Madrid only won one Champions League group game. They finished at the bottom of the group. And that was uh, not an overly com- like competitive group, but nothing crazy like... Club Bruges are, are a good team, but they're not actually that high up. They're like third or fourth in yep. the uh, Belgian league. Porto, obviously, a very good Portuguese side. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen, a third last in Bundesliga, and they still got results against them. Like it's just kind of funny how that's uh, that's working out. I guess my last point on it, just to kind of tee it off one more time: Arsenal have thirty-one points in Premier League right now, and I said Atletico had twenty-three. Right? Yep. That would put them fifth. Um, Fifth, yep, fifth in the Premier League with Manchester United at 23. There you go. I want you to clip all this, and then (laughs) I can't wait to to see people, you know, complain about it. And I understand fans are passionate about their teams and passionate about the leagues that their teams play in, and I get it. It's football culture, and, and it's something we're all very loyal to. But you have to admit it. I'm the biggest, you know, AC Milan fan for a while. I said our team wasn't great and Serie A kind of fell off. You just have to accept the reality at this point in time. And I just think that, uh, you know, the picture is very clear. 
And I mean, even with Atletico, the biggest conversation right now is Diego Simeone, who we all know is the highest paid football manager in Europe. I believe he's making 40 million euros. So that's almost twice the amount of Pep's salary and 100% twice the amount of Ancelotti's salary, which is crazy to think about. Those are like you, (laughs) Pep and Ancelotti, you'd consider right now. And Klopp's in that conversation, the best the managers. Best, the best, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like there's no denying Simeone, when he took over in 2011, he helped the Spanish side. I believe they went to two Champions League finals, won the Europa League twice, won La Liga twice, uh, most recently in 2021. Um, so you could say they're probably the mo- the third most successful team in La Definitely. Liga. Yeah. Um, but at this moment in time, when you won La Liga in 2021, when you're typically usually doing well in in Champions League football and you're in a position now where your team's not playing European football fans are like has he been in charge of this team for too long has his style remained the same way for too long does this team need a change I'd put respect on his name and say it's too soon I don't think fans Mm. and the club should be discussing things like that too hasty Yeah, yeah you know like he's he's proven himself big time however um I do think it's my favorite word on this podcast is unacceptable. I, I, I do think it's kind of like an unacceptable situation for Atletico and Simeone to be in. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too too aggressive on letting him go. Maybe perhaps this is just a hiccup mm-hmm. on the road, like you said. Like they won the La Liga in twenty twenty one, which obviously not even that long ago, and not good so far. Like there's already a massive gap between them and Barcelona. Never mind Real Madrid too, and so. I think Simeone is one of those managers who demands a lot from his players. And, and I mean, it's clearly worked. He's had a lot of success yeah. there. And I think for Atletico Madrid, they should think about where they were before Simeone came in and be like, okay, you know what, this guy, this guy has helped us get on the upward trajectory and make us a dominant mm-hmm. team again in La Liga and European football, like not even La Liga. So, you know, I, I, you kind of see how this season plays out and it's just... The season feels gone already in both ways, but maybe now this allows them to just focus on La Liga and try and make up some ground there and maybe do well in the cup competitions and see what you can get out of this rest of the season. Like The season is still young. like We're only 12 games in, so you never yeah. know what can happen. But yeah, this Atletico Madrid team feels like everybody else has caught up to them when they're not able to progress any further to the big two. In La yeah, Liga. yeah. And you know what? Um the way I always think about it is when you have a coach in Klopp's position, even too with, with Liverpool in the season they're having and Simeone, they're not sitting back and saying like, oh, I've had so much success with this team. This, this season's mm-hmm. okay. Like they're taking it personally. They're yeah. extremely hard on themselves. This guy, it's not like there's been a mixture of bad seasons and good seasons. He's brought them to like an elite status club in La Liga and ha- and has proven himself in the Champions League too. He hasn't won a title, but at least two finals. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't like when fans are like that he needs to be fired, but I definitely think he needs to kind of revisit what's been going on this season. And that's his job as a manager. It's why he's getting paid the biggest and heaviest price point in football. Um, but what can you say right now? It's just, yeah, they, they just got to roll with the punches. Cause if, yeah, he's making that much money, I'm sure they don't want to pay him out if they sack him. Honestly. Right? So yep. It's got to let it kind of roll and think of the good times. Just let it go. <laughs> Think of the good times. Oh my gosh, I hope no La Liga fans are watching this because they're already very unhappy with me. But again, nothing disrespectful. I'm just saying how I feel based on the stats and the reality that's being presented. Um, I don't think any league's quote-unquote a farmer's league, but if you're going to have that conversation about other leagues, we need to look at the Champions League picture right now. I remember Atletico Madrid played Bolton once when Bolton were in the UEFA Cup, as it was called back then. And me and my dad went to the game and Aguero played. Like oh, when nice. Aguero was, yeah. So this was when he was like 19, 20. Sick. And he got a red card. Oh, shit. I believe he like spat at someone, or like towards someone or oh, something no. like that. And I can't even remember if we won that game, but we, we ended up knocking them out. We might have won 1-0. I can't remember who scored, but um, we ended up knocking them out of the UEFA Cup. And then Damn. We, yeah, we were pretty good back in our day. Then it just all went downhill. See, we're <laughs> fans of our teams and we can admit yeah. when, when we're in the dark days. Oh, we are at Bolton are in the dark <laughs> days right now. Terrible loss for them on Saturday as well against Oxford United. I couldn't believe it. Any pissed. glimmer of hope or light for you guys? Yes. We're, okay. I, do you know what? It's funny. We're actually having a pretty good season. We're, okay. we're in sixth in League One. 
which so top two would get all night promotion the next four go into okay. a playoff um and we just gotta it's so hard to get out of these leagues and if you kind of get stuck in the rotation of yeah. it then you're in a bit of a trap so there's only a second season in that league after get promoted from league two so there's a lot of hope they just got it they're just not scoring like that's their issue like at the start of the season they were able to score a lot of goals and like get out to leads and hold them but i believe the only teams that have scored like less than them are in like the bottom five of the league damn but we're just not con- conceding goals either it's very frustrating one day on this show we're going to be talking about them in the champions league group stages oh my god i would i hope we came so so close one year oh, i could go into the anal history we need to have it on one day where it's a slow day which i don't know if that'll ever happen in the yeah. football world we're going to talk about uh maybe our favorite like for me ac milan memories and you yeah Milton. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorites. Nostalgic. One. It was cool because it was just like playing Atletico Madrid at the Reebok Stadium. It was so weird, but it so was cool. it worked out so well for us. Very I'll cool. find out the score and I'll get back. Okay, perfect. Uh, right now, let's give some props to Estacchio because he has back-to-back yeah. Champions League goals. Our yeah. boy. He is... Uh, He's going to show up at the World Cup big time <sighs> for Canada. He is, he is a very special player and... He's just so talented, and it's 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 good to see him like get this now on like yeah. a and a world an international European stage, whatever you want to call it, and just it's just perfect timing oh, yeah. for Canada. You know, like this guy is this guy is big time, and I we've seen it now throughout this entire qualifying, and now we're seeing it with Porto, and I they you know they got first in the group and Stacchio, look out! I know him and Buchanan. For me, I think Estacchio is the guy on Canada that has the most potential for growth. And I already think he's a really good player for Canada, but I think he has the absolute potential to be great because he has, you know, his defensive roles down, I think, really well. But I think once he starts progressing into being able to score these goals mm-hmm. on a big stage, in a big game, he's going to really establish himself as a great midfielder. And I already think that he is that for Canada and he is that for his club and he's going to continue growing into that role and I think that's what's the most exciting part about watching him he's not stagnant no every game he's getting better every game he's getting more comfortable and he's heading into Qatar scoring Champions League goals that's freaking huge for Canada I mean think about it six months ago we weren't thinking about the fact that Estacchio could be a goal scorer for Canada and now I'm like oh my god this guy's going to be able to put it in the back of the net for Canada and that's what a lot of people are not understanding about this Canadian team is they have many players who are in Champions League football who are going into the biggest tournament of their lives in form and don't sleep on them no they uh I think Estacchio and Buchanan are the next two two Canadian players to kind of break into the top five Mm -hmm. leagues like Obviously, Portugal is a is a good league, but, but really it's kind of just those top three teams and Braga, if you want to throw them in there too. So I think Estacchio can definitely take that step, next step. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him on like maybe like a Brighton or something yeah. like that in the Premier League the next sick. couple of seasons or even like, like Newcastle kind of, I don't know if they're at that stage yet where they're going to start grabbing all the top, top guys from Europe. So maybe they see Estacchio and they're like, yeah, oh, wow, this guy's a... Uh, this guy's pretty legit, and I would like that too for my uh, my tsunami. Um, quickly, <laughs> just because you mentioned Brighton, I think we jinxed Potter and Chelsea oh, on no. our last podcast. Because Unbelievable! <laughs> what are the odds that his former team beats him? That was the guy's <laughs> first win. That was the other manager's first win, and Graham Potter's first loss. <laughs> When I you can't saw that, script that. When I saw that, I said, Liam and I won 100%. If you believe in the jinx, we jinxed him on kicked back because what are the freaking odds? And they didn't only lose. They got like... Yeah, four, was it 4-1? Four four one? One. Yeah, they they got outplayed massively. <laughs> <laughs> they, they played Potter ball against Potter. I it know. Was, uh, what do you think was going through? He's like, I built this team and now they're kicking my new team's ass. You probably see it in these like... Oh, there's probably like a glimmer like it's probably like some like proudness oh, a little bit it's like, oh, i'm glad they can still still do it without me but then you're also like this is not a good look for me i can't even out coach my old players but i i'm not worried about graham potter at all i think he, he's gonna do a fantastic job at chelsea but i'm i'm glad brighton's doing well too without him and i hope they can continue to progress in the way they were going and grab some european football this season he did well under brighton why do so many people not give him the credit he should have. Like you have some of the best managers in the world saying that he's a 
what they think would yeah. be the full package and a world-class manager, but fans kind of don't give him the same credit. Have you ever heard his story, like how he no. got there? So he was like, so he played football. I believe he was on, he played for Swansea and then he got into managing, but he was part of the Ghanaian women's oh. setup and helped them through there. And then he managed a team in Sweden in league, they're like league two equivalent, like the second division. And then he got them up into the Swedish first division and took them to the Europa League. And he won a game against Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium. Wow. And then that's kind of how he got put on the world scene a little bit more. I can't remember what the team... It started with a G. I, I'm not going to try and say it because I won't, I won't do it very well. But then he went to... Uh, then he got a job at... Um, he might have even gone to Swansea, to be honest. Whatever it was. Like, he ended up back in England somehow. And then, yeah, it just kind of kept growing in his career. And just crazy, the path... The path he took to get to where he is today is like the manager of Chelsea Football Club and like potentially the next manager of England, I think. I'm just like, sorry, it wasn't G. It was Ostersons FK. Then he went to Swansea. Then he went to Brighton. And then he went to Chelsea. What a career. It is. And you know what? I was was reading about him the other day. And he has the praise of so many top football managers. Pep. Klopp they're all like this guy's the is the real deal yeah and so when it's funny because when you have a conversation with him on social media and that's really my you know barometer of like what the fans think about something right Mm -hmm. everyone's on social media giving their opinion and they don't like him they don't like that Tuchel got fired um for me I I didn't think Tuchel should have been fired but at the same time we weren't seeing Chelsea necessarily perform well under Tuchel. So I can understand like now why Todd Bowley and and Chelsea did what they did. But I I don't know why everyone is so critical, I guess, of Potter and Chelsea fans don't really seem like they want to even give him the time. They're like, he's a ticking bomb. It's only a matter of time until he messes up this club. You'd think that with a breath of fresh air and how well Chelsea have done in the Champions League since Potter has come into that role. Yeah. It's been a complete like night and day situation. You think that the conversation would be different, but I, I think he'll be the first English manager to win the Premier League. Wow. Yeah, like I mean, he's the only one in kind of a role like that, but also he's a really good manager. He's had success wherever he's gone, and I, I just don't know how you can doubt him. Like he's even kind of taken a step where it's like he benched Mendy. Yes, yeah, and put Kepa in, and Kepa did well for them up until the Brighton game. I think Mendy <laughs> might have even played a little bit in that game fault. too. And it's just, yeah, it's it wasn't it wasn't great, but I wouldn't worry about him. Like, he'll come around. The thing with Chelsea is they've always had these managers that are outspoken. Tuchel, yeah, Jose Mourinho, and then even like he wasn't outspoken, but Claudio Ranieri was like a personality when yeah. he was back there way way back when, and even like. Ancelotti to an extent is his own kind of personality, isn't he? But then you get you get Graham Potter and he's just a very down to earth person, like just there to just to manage a football team and do his job. Like that's the kind of thing. He's a nine to five man. That's the way I kinda of look at him. He's like, he gets up, has his porridge in the morning, <laughs> has a cup of tea, probably walks to the training field to be honest and then just does his thing and goes home and lives his everyday life he's probably the guy who sees snows outside of snow is outside of his window and he's like takes it on takes yeah. it in stride he's like oh whatever yeah just another day it's a great day i don't think anything phases him <laughs> I don't um, think so. okay so you've said on this podcast before that y- you don't mind southgate no no, I don't mind him at all. Would you rather see someone like Potter be in the position of managing at least this England team heading to Qatar? Um, I get... No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I think Southgate deserves this opportunity. I think okay. managing internationally is a lot more difficult than people give it credit for. It's, for sure. It's very... You have to be quick into putting your tactics in place. So, like you only have limited camps to do this. And even with this world cup, like, like when we spoke to Alistair Johnson, he, what did he say? He had, they, they had like 19 yeah. sessions or something crazy like that before the world cup. And yeah, like you don't have a lot of time to get this stuff done. And I, that's why you see so many players just always played in these England teams and Brazil, whatever it is. And because there's not a lot of time to, to bring in a full new team. Like you've kind of got to get the core of your squad and just kind of mm-hmm. maybe rotate a few guys in and out. And I think Southgate 
Ollie Ears has done a good job saying that. I think a man like Graham Potter, Eddie Howe for Newcastle as well, would both do really good jobs as England managers. Yeah, no, it's so true about <clears throat> being a football ma- manager for an international team. I mean, even think about there's the time aspect of it, but just managing players and mm. egos, right? And like, think about a superstar team like Brazil, yeah. that all these big personalities and all these big time players, and then having limited time with them and finding a role that they're happy with. Because yeah. you know that that's a part of the game. They 100%. have to be happy with the role that they're in. They have to feel like they're being respected. And how do you give, you know, every, everything that everyone wants you know it's just got to be a tough tough position to be in well i think that's where um france is kind of running into a bit of an mm-hmm. issue right now with their squad because they have so many players and that's we've spoke about it a few times now in their nation league campaign it didn't go well but if you also look at the starting 11 that played it was basically a different one every single game because they're trying to <clears throat> excuse me find different ways to integrate everyone yep. and make sure everybody's happy and Sometimes if you have too many players, it's not always a good thing. I totally agree with that. I've always thought that since I, I feel like Real Madrid once one season had the like the craziest. The Galacticos. Yes, that's yeah. what it was. Uh, and, and I was just like, there's too many superstars, too many egos. Too many and it's not a bad in thing. the kitchen. Yeah. yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's not disrespectful to players, but because at some point they all earned you know the right to be the superstar that they are. But you run into that problem and I would never want to manage a team like that. No, you'd have to be a big personality yourself. You have to. Yeah, and I think that's a big th- that's a big part about it as well. You got to be got to manage these people, and yeah, it's not always easy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just quickly on the international thing, Canada named uh, the squad today. Did they? For, um, so there's no European-based players in the team. It's just MLS or Canadian Premier League because this is just a game for the Bahrain game. Oh, so obviously like Davies, Astakio, Buchanan, Laren, David, none of those guys are in the team just because they're playing. They're playing. So it's just MLS guys, a couple of guys on there, Alistair Johnston, our good friend, uh, Ishmael Kone, Kone, sorry, uh, there's a bunch of guys, just kind of basically everyone who doesn't play in Europe is on this team. I believe there's a couple of cpl players too someone left a comment uh, i'll try and find it oh yeah um waterman and mcnaughton i guess are uh, former cpl players so that's good to see that league kind of get some recognition and yeah. continue to develop so and yeah canada's you, game that's on the 11th you know what i'm happy um not happy but i'm excited to watch this game without necessarily like the mm-hmm. super big names because yeah. i want to see if you have to get into a situation where your depth on the bench is brought in, what, what, do you do, ha- what do you got? What are you working with? Yeah, what do you got? Is it just a couple of guys or are a few of these other players going to step up? And I think this is it's a good opponent, Bahrain, with this level of team. is They're like 
no disrespect, there's a lot of, like, Kamal Miller's in this team, and there's like, a lot of guys who have been part of this journey to yep. get Canada to the World Cup. But, yeah, like, I think it's good to see what we have and go on from there. And, and you know what? Maybe this helps somebody in the sense of, like, we don't need Davies and David, and obviously we do need them to win anything for the World Cup. Yeah. But, you know, step up, see what you got. I wonder if this is why they implemented this game last minute into their schedule. Perhaps, because yeah. You know, it's important for those players who are the depth players on this team to also get international, even though this isn't like an international match, it's a friendly, but to get those minutes, to get that, you know, experience to maybe even calm those nerves heading into the World Cup, that's a very important match. And I'm actually very excited to watch this game because I want to know what the depth looks like. And then I'm sure on November 17th, when Canada takes on Japan, we're kind of going to have an idea of what this Canada starting 11 might look like. Yeah. But I'm all for the depth on this team getting some of that pre-World Cup experience in this game. I think it's such a smart move from Canada soccer. Yeah, I agree. There is, sorry, one player who plays in Europe coming to play in these games, and it's Liam Fraser. Oh, I love, I, yeah. he's so good. I believe he plays in the second division of Belgium, so I wonder if that's just like they're already done or something like that. I'm not really familiar with the second division of Belgium. So Liam <laughs> Fraser was a guy on Toronto FC who would kind of play in that Michael Bradley role, which was a holding center mid. Right. And every single time he came on the field, either for Michael Bradley or there was a game where Bradley wasn't playing, I thought that he was so freaking good. He just possesses the ball really well. He has very good soccer or football IQ. Um, really like hard working guy who's also smart on the ball. Uh, so I hope he plays. It'd be really cool to see him play in that game and yeah. see what he can bring. Because I feel like he, he should be getting minutes at the World Cup. He, I would imagine he would play in this game. He's one of the more veteran players on the team, I suppose, out of like the guys who usually wouldn't play. Mm. Um, yeah, another midfielder there, like Anthony Kay, Kone, Osario, Petit are the other midfielders on the team. So... Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see him kind of rotate through there. I can't wait. Oh, it's good. Where is that game? I don't even know. It's a, I just kind of saw they got announced and never even looked I up. Well, oh, they're playing in. Um, they're playing over in the Middle East. It looks like. I, I wonder if they, they're playing in Bahrain. Yeah, I think that they did that to get used to like what the weather might be like. Yeah, that's a good idea. So. Exciting stuff for us. Yeah. Wow, that's coming up so it's quick. So quick. <laughs> like, think about it. We're in the month that we're going to watch the World Cup. I know. I've I thought about it. I know. And I was like, wow, we had literally 19 days. It's the crazy. 20th. Yeah, so next Friday. Next Friday they play. And then they play on the 17th against Japan. Yes. Which will be the full team, I, I would think, imagine. Yeah. Or most of them, whatever yeah. it is. They'll be around. Oh, I can't wait. I can't even... I think the Japan opponent's going to be a sick opponent for them to take on too. Yeah, actually, they announced their World Cup team. Japan. Yesterday, yeah. They were the first team to do it. And I again, not the name guy here. There was the gentleman on Celtic, so I'll have to ask Liam from Sunday League Pundits about it, didn't make the team. And apparently he's like one of their best players and he didn't make the team. And everyone was like, well, what the heck is this? Drama. Yeah. Little drama. 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 Also, David De Gea. Did you see that? No, he didn't I... make the preliminary squad for Spain. Stop. Yeah, he didn't. I, I don't even know who's on the squad, but yeah, he did not make the preliminary roster of 55 players. Was there a reason why? I think they just wanted to move on. They just are uh, the goalies and uh, in the mix now. And David De Gea, who has had an up and down season for United, but I feel like it's on the upward trajectory. It's a little, little harsh, bit. no? I think it's it a, a little harsh. harsh. Yeah, like this isn't a small tournament he's being left out of. Yeah, like this is a it's a big deal. So yeah, no David De Gea the World Cup. Damn, damn. Well, drama. Also, another team facing dramas: Tottenham. <laughs> Tottenham fans, if you're watching this, how are you feeling? Because what a roller coaster ride it's been for them in the yeah. Champions League. We've said on this show, I respect the talent on Tottenham. I just am not sold on this team. I do think they are slightly overrated. Uh, and I feel like that's a fair type of prediction and analysis to have on them because there was a little bit of luck in that group D situation for them to get through. Yeah. Um, what I will say is they got the job done and you have to give them credit because that wasn't only in uh, a situation where they had to play well, but they also like there was pressure, the amount of pressure that Tottenham team must have felt. What I will also say is that I'm just really not impressed with the football they play. No. It is boring football and they should be much better. And there's just something about this team where it doesn't feel seamless to me. It's just, 
even in the Marseille game, like they they were lucky in the first few minutes. You know, there were many chances that their opposition had, and maybe it was just an ugly group stage uh, performance for them. But they they got the job done at the end of the day. But man, I'm not sold on Tottenham at all. Yeah, they were um, <laughs> they're a team who somehow just keeps getting it done. Very ugly. Yeah. Very ugly. They, I don't watch them anymore because I, it's very <laughs> difficult to sit there for 90 minutes and not fall asleep. It's true. Is They are incredibly boring. <clears throat> Thank God I'm not the only one who feels this way. They just, but they get it done. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. And well, I do know what it is. It's Conte has locked it down. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. And we, I spoke about it kind of towards the start of the season. It's like, this team just doesn't play with possession. They don't play with the ball because they just don't need to, I guess, to get results. Like whatever Conte is doing is working and it's ugly. And a lot of Tottenham fans online from comments I've read on Twitter are like so mixed because they're like, this is brutal, but we're winning games. We're through to the last 16 of the Champions League. We're third in the Premier League, like six points off the top of the table. And it's like... Yeah, seven points off the top of the table, three losses in the Premier League, and it's just like, what do you do? Like, how do you... It's hard to complain, isn't it? Because you want to go and you're paying good, good money to how much Tottenham, and you want to be entertained, and you've not ever entertained. Like, you're entertained at the end when you walk away with three points, but throughout the 90 minutes, you're probably thinking like, what? Uh, maybe I'll get another beer. Like, I don't know. Honestly. Like, what are the hot dogs like today? Like, that'd be are my you hamburgers. Hamburger, yeah. <laughs> what are the cheeseburgers going on here? But yeah, like Liverpool next week in the Premier League too. So it's going to be a big one. You're, you're so spot on because it's exactly how I feel. It's so ugly. And I was watching the game yesterday and I'm like, is something wrong with me? Like, have I just been watching so many games that I'm, I'm, this I'm just kind of burned mm. burnt out at this game in yeah. particular, but I'm like, there's nothing going on no, aside for boring. poor, you know, Hungman son who went down, you know, like that was probably the only time where I was like glued because I'm like, is he okay? Yeah. I hope he's okay. Other than that, I'm like, this team is tough to watch, but then you just look at exactly what you said. They're winning third yeah. in the prem knockout stage in the champions league. Harry Kane's managing to score these like crazy goals that sometimes get called back and sometimes don't. Like you just have to You just gotta strap I, on in on the roller coaster yeah. and, and just enjoy the ride. The I don't know. The world's worst roller coaster. <laughs> there is no loops on this one. It is up and down. And yeah, and you can't get off. <laughs> no, you're just yeah. stuck on it and you're like, what the F? And yeah. Tottenham fans, I mean, you let us know how you feel, but I just if this was a team that I'd be supporting, I'm just like, I'd rather watch paint dry. But the good news is it does eventually dry. <laughs> yeah, one thing, <laughs> right? the paint will dry. Yeah. Here's my theory on Tottenham. I have, I have two. So, one, I think if this continues, they don't win big games. Okay. They do not win big games. They add that late equalizer against um, Chelsea earlier in the season. Oh, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was big. That was obviously a good result. They then lost to Arsenal in the North London derby. They've lost to Manchester United and they've lost to Newcastle. They just don't beat teams around them in the league. And that is going to be an issue if you want to qualify for the Champions League. If you want to qualify for the Champions League, you have to be capable of beating teams around you. I genuinely believe they might miss out on the Champions League this season. Really? They're just, you got to win these games. You have to get results. And they're just, they're looking poor against them. And now you go in into the the last 16 of the Champions League and it's like, you're the number one, they're the number one team in their group. They finished first. So now you look at it and if I'm a team in second, I've probably got Tottenham circled mm-hmm. being like, mm, that's probably the team I want to play. I won't, wouldn't want to play Porto because they're a very attacking team and can kind of count catcher. Bayern Munich, obviously no. Napoli, <laughs> no. Uh, Chelsea, no. I don't want to play them. Real Madrid, no. Man City, no. PSG, yeah, no. You're you're they're right. the worst first place team in the Champions League, and I would want to play them if I was one of these teams. I would think that's my best chance to keep our Champions League hopes alive is to play Tottenham. I think it's going to take another year. I think Tottenham. If they get Champions League football this year, one, they somehow won the Champions League, which I don't think is going to happen. Or two, 
they finally turn this around, start winning big games. Like the one big game was yesterday. They had a big win yesterday to give them credit away from home. Before that, they barely scraped out a win against um, Bournemouth. They had to come down from 2-0 down. Now you have Liverpool at home on Sunday. That's massive. I can't wait for that. That is a big, big game. And it might not <laughs> seem crazy big because it's like, oh, well, we're third in the league. And it's like, no, you got to peel yeah. back the paint a little bit and have a look and see what's behind there. And and yeah, they're just not doing it. I think I think what's happened is Conte, is, is, he's mentioned this too, he's not happy with the players he has. He doesn't believe he can have the success with his system with the players he has. I think... Net, this summer coming up is if he's still there is a big one where Conte is going to have to implement all the players that he wants get them into the system and then that's when Tottenham yeah. will start to progress uh, well if you look at the standings Newcastle has 24 points United 23 points and Tottenham has 26 so they're within two or three points of getting that yep. third spot and United's like on the up Oh, yeah. United's on the up, which is so funny with the way they started. Newcastle's your team since the get. Yeah. That you said everyone look out for. So you're right. I mean, it's not like Tottenham's well above the fourth and fifth place teams in the Premier League. So. Well, you look at you just to go on Newcastle a little bit. Draw against City. Last second loss against Liverpool. They beat uh, the drew nil nil against United. Beat Tottenham. Those are their four big games of the season. And they've lost once. You look at United. They obviously started out the season poorly. Okay, so they lost They lost to City. They beat Arsenal. They beat Liverpool. Those are the big games. Yep. They And they obviously beat Tottenham and they drew 1-1 against Chelsea. Okay. Again, like they're getting results against the top teams. And this is what matters at the end of the season when we've played 38 games and we look at Tottenham and it's like, how did Tottenham finish sixth? It's like, well, they beat nobody in the top five. Man, and I swear they just have like a little bit of luck. Like, even you think about that first game in the Premier League against Chelsea. Harry Kane scoring that last second. Should have been a a penalty because... The Kukurea. Kukurea hairpock. You know what I mean? Like, there's just... I don't know what it is about this team. It kills me because, like we've said, it's not pretty, but they're getting it done. There's some luck in there. Harry Kane deserves more credit because how this guy's... Like Ten goals is so season. clutch. Yeah, that's like his middle name, Harry Clutch Kane. I yeah. mean, he's he comes in at the right moment and gets it done. So I don't. Maybe they just got out of the group and and managed to pull off that top spot. But hopefully, it looks different for them in you know beyond the group stage. But I agree with you. Until they start beating, they got to beat good teams. Good teams. And a big I, thing for them is Hummin Son has not been good know, this season. He has three goals and they came in one game. I wonder if he's injured. I wonder if he's injured. See, it's not like him. No, it maybe it's the system. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's the system. Maybe it's just yeah. not working. Well, hopefully he's okay because World Cup is honestly be, like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that'll be big. That'll be, yeah, that would suck. Like so many people are injured. Yeah, so many players. It's, uh, did you see there was a Jamie Carragher had a bit of a a rant about this World Cup, and he said take everything off the field that's happened with mm-hmm. Qatar and Iran and all that stuff. None of it's obviously good, but. It's just, it's a weird feeling for the World Cup right now because we are 18 days away. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it. It's so weird. It's just going to sneak up on us and we're just going to be like, bang, World Cup. And like, you see players like Varane was crying going off the pitch the other day and it's horrible to see. And it's like, a two-week injury shouldn't set you out of a World Cup. And it's going to be, it's going to be such a different one. I think once we get rolling with the World Cup, it's going to be really good. It's going to be fun. But right now, I just, I wish we had the excitement of like, like squads got announced yesterday, Japan, yeah. and we didn't even know. Honestly, yeah, you're <laughs> like, so right. And we talk about how tough it is for these managers to come in t- into an international role. Think about how hard it is for a player to switch from club football to international football. It's a, it's the same yep. sport, obviously, but it's a different style of the it's game a diff- it's a different pace there's the the, the stage is completely different yeah everything is so different so now all of a sudden these guys have been playing club football for i swear the football schedule is non-stop and they have no time to adjust to a time change to a different climate to a different style of football to a different manager to different teammates everything jeez i mean like that's so much on one guy yeah yeah so the last game in the premier league and i believe this is probably a european thing too november 13th it's not seven days. 
seven days to get over to <laughs> Good luck. Qatar and Adjust. they're basically yeah they're basically going to finish these games on the Saturday I would imagine probably getting a car from the stadium and get on a plane that's not you would have to you would just your time would have to be like bang 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 have to because you have to adjust to jet lag you, you, everything yeah. they need to get their bodies need to adjust which yeah. is a human thing it's uh I don't know what time zone Qatar's in but I would assume the more like you would think teams in more east closer yeah. like i wonder if like i wonder if we'll maybe see a bit more asian production there like i wonder if teams like iran or like saudi arabia or something maybe can squeak in a couple of early results because of they're they're adjusted already like and i know they like in europe some yeah. of their players too but like a lot of those guys play in the saudi arabian or iranian leagues and i've because it's something I just thought about. Like, I wonder if that'll have any effect on things. We'll see. We'll see. I'm so excited to see, obviously, how so many things play out. But I do think that this schedule is insane mm, for footballers. And nothing, yeah, nothing makes it, uh, nothing disappoints me more than you're on Twitter or you're watching a game, you see someone go down or you find out another player's injured and potentially could miss the tournament. It's, it's shouldn't be. They shouldn't be put in that position. No. Uh, no. Quickly, Tottenham, that VAR call against Harry Kane against Sporting. Oh, where, yeah, the, I don't know. Thoughts. That was, because um, that was the one where they, the, the, the controversy was Eric Dyer headed the ball back. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And that was yeah, the call. Yeah, yeah. Offside's so confusing. I just don't really understand it anymore. Like, it's, you can literally, like, if you don't cut your nails one day, it might put you offside. Remember like, the good old days where you're like, the rule was like, if it's obvious, it's offside. And yeah, if it wasn't obvious, it's not. It's, you're probably good. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, it's just like, it's it's complicated. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff. Like, I can't remember what league this was in, but someone scored and the player wasn't on the pitch. So the other team's player wasn't on the pitch. And then the other guy, the other team scored that was on like the goal line and mm -hmm. was offside. And it's like, no, because he's not on the field. It doesn't count as offside. So it's just like, there's so many rules to it. It's just, it, it is it's, nuts. it's nuts. I think it should have been a goal. I agree with you. Because the ball went backwards and Harry Kane didn't have the initial touch. Eric Dyer had the touch. So if Derek Dyer was offside, yeah. then sure, that, that's offside. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think it should have been. I hate that rule. And it's so funny. When I saw this, I'm like, I wonder what Liam will think. But you were, we didn't have that episode on the podcast yeah. because poor you, you were under oh, the I weather. I struggling. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like I probably got you sick and right beside me here on this podcast. So I'm sorry. But it's such a frustrating rule for me. Like when they say it can't be offside if the opposition, the defender plays it back in, um, I think the rule is like if he intentionally played it back, he'd be onside. But if it was unintentional, then it's, then it's offside. Yeah. I'm like, what defender would intentionally play the ball to the opposition? It's such a dumb rule. It's like, that's why if they, if they have that rule in place, they have to also consider an intentional or unintentional handball. It doesn't make sense to me. So I just think that there are so many rules that are, in the gray area that I even think that these VAR officials themselves don't know what to do because if it's yeah. taking you four minutes from a million different angles to establish if Harry Kane was offside in a, in a crucial moment, like that could have, it was big. Yeah. It was a big moment in, in extra time in the game. If it's taking you four minutes, which means there had to have been some subjective opinions based on different angles, you know, maybe sometimes he looked onside, maybe sometimes he looked offside. If it's taking you that long, man, you, to take away that goal, to me, I, it, it's wrong. Yeah, and luckily it worked out for Tottenham in the end. And it, did. it didn't cross them too much because maybe that would be a way bigger talking point than it is now after yep. things went down. But yeah, like it's just rules should be black and white. I agree. It should be this is handball. This is a two-fight tackle. Like this should be easy enough to determine what's what. I had someone write to me, you know, football fans need to get behind video replay, just like basketball fans and American football fans and hockey fans have. And I agree with that. But I said the problem with us in, in European football is that it's not done consistently and it doesn't make sense because we'll see blatant offside calls missed, mm -hmm. but they're going to analyze Harry Kane's offside for four minutes right yeah. and then even in that atletico madrid game the the ref blew the final whistle was essentially like peer pressured into checking if there was a penalty which was questionable because i think the ball just hit yeah. a defender's arm or shoulder and he 
called a penalty after the final whistle was blown. I'm like, in my life, I've never seen anything like this. Like, what happened to the days that when the final whistle's blown, it's done? That's it. That's it. The game, That's the, the, the score point. stands. It really is. <laughs> yeah. It's, at that point, why do we even have a ref on the field? Yeah, the it does feel like... It's nuts. Are we turning into just robots here? Like, are we just going to rely on computers? Like, my my argument with VAR in, like, Europe compared to, like, video assistance in North America with hockey, basketball, NFL, or whatever, is in Europe, you have to... And I'm sure there's the other basketball leagues and hockey, whatever, too. But everybody has to be under the same thing. There's not different rules for different leagues. Everybody has the same rules. Where in the NHL, for example, they'll have different rules to what the KHL is. And in the NBA, it's different to what China has. Mm -hmm. Like, football is too big to be operating on personal opinion. To be honest, like, you shouldn't be able to walk up to a computer and be like, you know what, that was probably offside. It should just be like, it, it should be computerized, to be honest. Like, it should just be like, this was it. Like, it should, I, I don't know. It's so torn on VAR because I think it is good. I think it's bad. So, I don't <laughs> well, know. It's just going to have to be simplified. But now they're adding all these, like, extra technology, you know, lines and everything. It's confusing everyone. And they're yeah. like, oh, on different snapshots of, of the Harry Kane situation, the lines are, you know, they look different. So, it's just a matter of opinion. And I'm like, they need to sort this out quick because we're at we're at a point in time where there should be video replay to eliminate situations that could result in a game going in a way that it shouldn't but if it's going to be used in this in this context that it has been used calling a penalty kick after the final whistle is already blown fans are going to get annoyed i think the coach's challenge should be something that should be I like that i actually really like that in it, hockey yeah it's uh it's a good way to stop the game from slowing down, from mm-hmm. having to check everything. And it's a good way to prevent players from just losing their minds on refs and influencing yep. them. Like, the manager should be the one that makes the decision of, like, I think I was offside. Then you you talk to the fourth official, and he'll, video, he'll signal over to the ref and be like, we wanted the Liverpool wants to challenge this. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to do it. And, and, yeah, you have say you have won a game. You throw in your challenge, you lose it, you don't get it back. And then you win it, you get your challenge, yeah. and then you have one more. Yeah. So you have two a game, I guess, if you win it. I so like that. I, I think like it's it. I think it's a, a, a good way to to keep everything on top of things. I've always liked that in hockey. Yeah, I think I think it's good in every sport. Like the NFL does yep. it with like you lose a timeout and stuff like that. So something to think about. Have, they definitely have to think about it. Uh, speaking of Liverpool, man. This Liverpool team has confused the hell out of me this season. They just ended Napoli's 21-game unbeaten streak, obviously giving Napoli their first loss of the season. Some big wins and then, like, really bad losses. They just lost to Leeds United and then go into the Champions League and beat one of the best teams in in Europe right now. How the hell does this make sense? Liverpool fans, I'm not coming for you. I just want to know because they're ninth in the Premier League and second in a in a what tough I would group. say was a tough group tough in the Champions group. League. I believe it's what they call inconsistency. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's it's crazy because I feel like they're a team that call me crazy, they could still end up in a Champions League final. Like Mo Salah's yeah. finding stride, Nunes is finding stride, but in the Premier League they're playing Tottenham uh, Tottenham next and I'm like they could lose. Yeah. They could lose. I would not be shocked at I all. I wouldn't either. They also lost to Nottingham Forest a few weeks oh, ago. Oh, that was really too, bad. So. That was really bad. Yeah, for Liverpool, I don't even know what it is, you know? Like, I think it is just a bit of a bit of everything. I think <laughs> the injuries has played a factor in their season. I think the fatigue of playing literally every single game last season has played in it. Probably, yep. Perhaps even a little bit of ownership needs to be talked about too, where it's like maybe they do need to give Jurgen Klopp a bit more money to... Go out and get some players. Like you look at what they brought in as someone like Darwin Nunes. And they brought in Arthur as well on loan who hasn't played yet. And it's like, is that enough? Is that enough after losing Sadio Mane? And I understand there's like Jot hasn't played and that kind of like that's a big that is a big issue. Like but I think that's what it is. I don't think this team is strong enough to compete every single week. Yeah. And I think it's gonna plague them all season. And I think eventually they'll 
they'll get on a bit of a heater here. They'll win like four or five in a row. And next thing you know, they're back in the Champions League conversation to to qualify for it in the top four in, in the Premier League. But I think their best path to getting into the Champions League next season might be just winning the whole thing. And the scary thing is about Liverpool right now is I would not be surprised if that happened for They're them. They're a world-class team. Honestly. They have some of the best players in the world. So if it's, their team is, is good enough to win it. There's no doubt about it. You're going to have to win the Premier League, to be and, honest. And even Nunez right now. For at some point in the season, I'm like, this guy's overrated. Yeah. Like, Liverpool had a club record, spent a club record 85 million pounds for him when they when they had that transfer deal from Benfica. Um, and I'm like, I at some point I was watching Liverpool play. I'm like, I wouldn't even consider this guy one of the best attackers on this team. Like, he's missing sitters. He's inconsistent. But now, five goals in his last seven matches in all competitions, three goals in his last three games in the Champions League, one goal every 106 minutes for Liverpool. So the conversation, I feel like a month, a month and a half ago, was like, is he one of the worst summer transfers and now it's like we need to put some respect on Nunes' name. So it's just – but I just feel like that's all – like the Liverpool conversation. Are they the most overrated team right mm-hmm. now this year? Or are we not giving them enough credit in the big games that they're playing? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's honestly got the most confusing math equation right now for me in football. Because you watch him and you see him do something. You're like, what are you doing? Yes. And then like two minutes later, he like – does something else and he's like oh that's actually yeah. pretty good that's why they paid so much money for him i think the first season is always incredibly tough for players to come in like not everyone's holland whether they're gonna score was he have 17 goals in the premier league now or whatever it is and <laughs> it's not easy to do and it takes a special player to come in and do that and i think in the long run nunez will pay off for liverpool like you've seen it in games like i remember that fulham game to start the season I think he came on and made a big difference. Yep. And there's a reason Liverpool came away with a point that day, to be honest. And then he goes and headbutts Anderson on Crystal Palace, which really <laughs> put, a, put a dampener on his momentum. And What a way to come in, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm one of Anfield's finest moments. and I didn't mind it. Yeah, it was, uh, well, it's something we'll always remember. So. Yeah, I, yeah, that was, you know what, it was funny because, when I'd watch Nunes play, I'd say to my dad, I'm like, what did, what, like, what do you guys see in this guy right now? Like, yeah. I understand time and especially coming into a new league, but there were just things that he were, he was doing at certain moments that he shouldn't, like he missed a sitter in one of his last games, like a complete open net. And I'm like, you're a professional footballer. You need to score, score that. But now I'm like, okay, I get it. Maybe I just need to take my hatred of Liverpool away in those moments mm-hmm. um, and no disrespect to Nunes because I do think he's really good but he's he's kind of killing it right now and so is Liverpool at least in the Champions League I mean Salah I don't know if you know this but he has as many European goals for Liverpool as Steven Gerrard does really 41 goals holy smokes which brings us back to a conversation we had a while ago on this pod should Mo Salah at this point in time go down as one of the best players that ever played for Liverpool yes yeah yeah he should he should he won won a Premier League Won the Golden Boot. He's just he's consistently great. I agree. Won the Champions League once. I mean, what is it? They've been two or three finals, whatever he's been to. And yeah, he's a Liverpool legend. And Liverpool have a lot, a lot of players that have come through that that team. And yeah, Salah's Salah, Mane from I recent know. memory, Van Dijk. Like you know what? Like, even a guy like Jordan Henderson, to yeah. be honest, like uh, yeah. he, he's more of a. I don't know if I'd call him a legend, but so, like a cult hero, perhaps, or something yeah. like that. Someone who has just been there. Like He's getting a lot of hatred now because he's just not as good mm-hmm. as he was, but he was he was there for the good times. Yeah. Uh, we should end on Rangers. I didn't want to <laughs> I didn't want to dig too 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 much on the Rangers because for anyone watching who's a Rangers fan, you know, no no reason to put salt on the wound. But they did set a record for the worst group stage in Champions League history. Yeah, it was a tough group. Tough, tough group for them. Like, those are three big European clubs, like Napoli, Liverpool, Ajax, and they just weren't ready. They're just no. not there right now. And it's very interesting to me how they were able to knock out PSV, who are a top team in Holland. Cody Gakpo is a great player for them. They got a they got a lot of talent too, and they they just beat Arsenal. So I wonder how PSV would have coped in this group, and it's something we'll never know, obviously. But it's um 
it's a bit of a shame for Scottish <laughs> football where you see finally get two two teams back in the Champions League yep. at the top level of European football and both of them are likely going to finish winless. Yep. Celtic have put up a bit more of a fight, a couple of draws. They had a good game against Real Madrid actually and fortunately Rangers, like maybe next year if uh, you'll have to figure some things out, but... Well, zero points and a goal, different of mi- a goal difference of minus 20. And I don't think any other team in Champions League history has finished with that goal difference. So quite the way to exit the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, I feel Yikes. for Rangers fans, right? I don't want to. I don't want to. It's always fun when we talk about, you know, a crazy game and a team not having the best performance. But there's also, you know, this is this is. It's not. It's not. It's, a, it's not a good representation of what Rangers are about. That, exactly, and I also feel for the fan base because that's a tough one to swallow. So yeah, hope you're feeling okay, Rangers fans. Better luck next time. It can only go up from here. It can only go well, up tr- from here. Truly, I I hope you can't pull this off again. <laughs> I know. So maybe they tried. You never know. Maybe they're like, we're going to set a record. Well, they were winning that one game against Liverpool, weren't they? Yeah. Then they lost seven-one. Yes. Yeah. So. I don't blame Mo Salah's on fire, guys. So, you yeah. know, that's isn't that the game that Mo Salah came in and scored a hat trick? Yeah, and, yeah. whatever, however yeah. quickly it was. Like 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Rangers, too bad for Scottish football, but at least you got there. It's true. A lot of other teams don't get there, and people are going to laugh at you, and which is probably fair, but there we are. This is there true. There you go. We got some Champions League football coming up today. I'm going to be watching my AC Milan team take on Salzburg. I think we need... Uh, win. win. We need a win. win. So um, I'll be doing that, guys. And hopefully I show up tomorrow for kicked back, not crying. Yeah. So because I could be saying the same thing about my team. So we'll see what uh, what happens tomorrow. But for now, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, everyone. And have a great day. That's a wrap for another episode of Kickback, and thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline and Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please and thank you. And for even more Kickback content, follow the 90th Minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.